This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this evening are Richard Halls. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. And this is our final recording of the year, and we're going to be kicking off with Cray's Code of Silence, uh, the horror films uh, Jack in the Box Awakening, Jekyll and Hyde, Winter Skin, and Monsters in the Closet. Our short shot this week is Street Fighter Psychosis, a uh, fan film. And then our DTV throwback is The Stranger. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film this week is Craze Code of Silence. London in the 1960s was under the thrall of Ronnie and Reggie Cray, who ruled the underworld with an iron fist and were untouchable by the police because no one would talk against them. Detective Nipper Reed, hot off successfully solving the great train robbery, sets up a covert task force to take down the twins once and for all. But how? Now, guys, um, if you were to go to IMDb, and type in the word the craze you would find <clears throat> a list of films probably as long as my arm um mm. it is a sort of subgenre of sort of british crime thrillers which is about as popular as the essex boys basically yeah you know, the, um, yeah the essex boys comes like a, mm. a probably second place but quite far down compared to the amount of craze output i think yeah there's so much and you know i must admit I, I look at this stuff and I sort of do turn my nose up at it. I say, well, how much can you wring out of this, really? You know, how much story could there honestly be when, you, when you've got three high-profile cinema releases? I mean, we had the one with Martin and Gary Kemp back in the early 90s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, late, late 80s, early 90s. Um, then we've had the, uh, the one with Thomas Hard- Tom Hardy, sorry, playing both twins. Legend. Yeah, legend. Legend. And, and I'm pretty sure there's, there's been another one recently as well. I might be making that up. Uh, I don't know. There's been lots of, sort of mid-low budget kind yeah, of yeah. stuff generally. Yeah. But there might, there might exactly. Be so so there's, there's been loads of DTV, you know, level stuff. So, you know, I, I approached this particular film with, with a certain level of trepidation. And, and I chose it as my first film to watch, you know, out of the ones we're covering this week. Mm-hmm. Just to get it out of the way, you know. So imagine my surprise when this turned out to be absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It has quite a visual flair to it. Um, there's some really interesting uh, sort of flashback scenes, the way they sort of put the inspector into the scene, you know, uh, during mm. the flashbacks and how he can control what was going on. Um, I thought the acting was great during the sort of the three detectives. Um, and, and the guy playing both Ronnie and Reggie, I didn't even realise it was two, it was one person playing both characters because they're actually on screen a lot, you know, t- together. Mm. Um, very cleverly done. So, yeah, this, this is a really interesting, you know, sort of period crime procedural. I thought I enjoyed it. So, Steve, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I agree. I actually really enjoyed it. I think 
one of the main things about this one is is it's told from the you know the policeman's yes view rather than just following the craze round, you know, like, like the normal ones are. Mm. Um but like I said, I thought the script was really good. I when it, it threw me a little bit at first when you know it went to the flashback and then Stephen Moyer turned up in the flashback. I'm like, oh, mm. hang on, what's going on here? But <laughs> it does work. It's a really interesting way of doing it. Um and it just kept it going. And I mean I don't know how how true it is. I mean Exactly. No, no neither do I. <laughs> you know, it if that was how they actually caught them, the way they do it, then mm. that's it's ingenious and very clever, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't shy away from the violence that they, that they, they, they portrayed. And there's one quite disturbing scene with the barmaid. Which, yes, yeah, really sort you know, of push, was, push the envelope of what they could get away with as far as police. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> back back in the day, they probably did just beat the shit out of everyone to get a confession, but. Mm. Because that was what was said about the um, the Birmingham Six and stuff. You know, they were all yeah, yeah. till they confessed and stuff like that. So there probably is a grain of truth in it, but it's not something I've ever really looked into, especially from this angle. Mm. And I think that's what sets it apart from the others. You know, the the way it's told, the mm. what's the word? The way they do it, you know, the the, the artistic mm-hmm. license that they use, the the, the the way they actually tell it, and no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And like you said, same as you, I wasn't really expecting to. To be fair, I just thought, well, it's you know another crazy film, another gangster UK gangster film. But it was nice to see Stephen Moyer something because I've not really seen him anything since um, like Tree Blood or anything like that. Mm. And it's you know it's nice to see him actually kind of using his. English accent, you know, not <laughs> putting an American one on because he's from Essex. So, yeah. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Really good. Rich, um, I recommended this one to you because um, you couldn't cover everything this week. So how did you find this? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised as well. The, the, the important thing to note here is that it's, although it's being marketed over here with that craze prefix, mm-hmm. Yeah. That that is not the original mm. title. The original title was simply Code of Silence. And the distributor, understandably, to try and, you know, get more, you know, mm. catch more eyeballs in the supermarkets yeah. or, or wherever people can actually buy uh, DVDs and stuff these days. And uh, it's just that's a, that's something they've tacked on. You know, it's a it's a reasonable thing to do because there is enough craze in there and it is about the craze and stuff, yeah. but it's not focused on them. But you, yeah. this is much more of a you know it's a procedural essentially and i quite liked the fact that it was um a you know a low budget but period set so mm. it's like 1968 but they don't have to spend too much money because they spend most of the time in warehouses and stuff basically mm. so uh it's all very character led very engrossing fascinating does make like you're saying uh does make me wonder how much embellishments there have been how much creativity in the storytelling there is compared to what actually happened i'd be quite fascinated to know a bit more about that the it feels a bit like an I, an itv um, yeah like TV a mini series yeah, 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 yeah. 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 but which 
so it's got good stand good stand good production standards and stuff but it is mm. it's low budget but it's not the low it's not like micro budget or or, no. or anything it's it's kind of somewhere in between it's got that kind of a tv level budget it looks like yeah. an episode of uh life on mars or something you know in my view uh, you know sort of that sort of 9 p.m tv mm. uh, program sort of thing uh, yeah, so it's got the like you were you were saying about the some of the playful sort of storytelling devices, like in inserting in a sort of and I've seen it in a couple of other films as well. You know where they they throw a flashback and then they put the person in the flashback. I think like um, I don't know if they ever did that in the series Dexter or or, or you should do it on Criminal Hannibal. Minds, yeah. Yeah, I think they did mm. it on Hannibal, Hannibal as well. As well where yeah. They put, yeah. They put it, where they put the investigator. You know, he's he's so thinking about it so closely that he puts himself in the scene in his imagination and stuff. That kind of uh, they do it a bit, and then they kind of drop that because it kind of moves into a different vein. So mm. I'd almost completely forgotten that they even did that. Um, well, they did bring yeah. it back towards the end when they sort of finally mm. get the confession out of the barmaid. You know, yeah. he, he's yeah. sort of there crouching with her behind the bar, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, the the other bit I liked with that as well is, is that first flashback when when they sort of see the murder, and uh, he sort of goes, "What time is it?" They go, "It's uh, seven o'clock." Go, nothing happens till nine. So he goes over to the clock and winds it forward, and yeah. you can see everyone else sort of you know moving rapidly in the in the background. So sort of. uh, I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I was but, looking yeah. it up. This is from uh, the director. Of this is Ben Mole. He's done a few sort of period mostly war kind of stuff that we've come mm -hmm. across in the part not and nothing we've covered but he did behind and behind the line escape to dunkirk and we go in we go in at dawn yeah um, both of which I, I wasn't really that interested in seeing but based on this um mm. I, i'm really quite intrigued to actually look back at those films now because that was only like a year or two ago that he made those and, and he's got quite an extensive filmography mm. based lots of um lots of history stuff basically so um mm -hmm. yeah i think that as as my introduction to his sort of artistic style and stuff i'm uh, i'm you know as as tv-ish as, as some of it is yeah uh, but it but it is it, very watchable and very entertaining very, entertaining, so. very absorbing yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there are there are a couple of uh, interesting sort of moments um i say interesting one of them isn't interesting and it's sort of really jars is when, when the two um Detectives are having a conversation about pyrofoam cups, start styrofoam cups, <laughs> and it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. You, you're trying to find a detail from that period, yeah. But you, can, yeah. you know, it, but it just sounds very weird. Um, but again, again, I can kind of see the point. You know, that conversation. Somebody might have that sort of argument. So, well, why don't you just drink the coffee in the in the cafe? Why, why do you need a takeaway cup? You know, try telling that to Starbucks now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there, there is another one which somebody, some people might think is a mistake because um, one of them mentions, oh, we, we, we're kind of like the untouchables. Yes. And, yeah. you know, if people go, hang on, no, it's a film in the 80s. Anyway. Um, but no, there was, actually, there was actually a black and white TV series yeah. in the yeah. 50s, I believe. Yeah, because the uh, Palmer film was was back based on that series. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just yeah. just to clarify, no, you know, uh, of which I've actually seen the, the sort of the pilot of that that series, and it was really good. Sort of As an aside, I think on the back of the Brian De Palma film, they actually hmm. resurrected the TV series itself. They did them. Right. Um, the The Return of Elliot Ness was the TV hmm. movie, 
Mm. I seem to remember that. Yeah. Um, oh God, what's his name? The guy who did Unsolved Mysteries and whatever. I can't remember what Robert Stack from oh, Elaine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Robert Stack originally played Elliot Ness, I think. Anyway, um, the uh, Ronan Summers, I thought, did a really good job playing Ronnie and Reggie Cray. Like you say, you weren't. Oh, sure he was awesome. Yeah. Whether, yeah. Um, yeah. Whether it was two actors or not, but uh, mm. yeah, it's, I I haven't seen him in. I, I'm you know I'm looking at his film. I wasn't familiar with him. He's been in right. stuff like The Dare and Arthur and Merlin, Knights of Camelot, but he certainly didn't catch my eye. So this is certainly a, mm. uh, a you know a, a star making, mm. you know, as much of a, a star making mm. role as you can have in the in the sort of director video yeah. sort of craze film kind of uh area but uh certainly you know noticed you know he, he, he deserves to get good notices for you know the you know the the nuances and the variations of the characters not Absolutely. just one wears yeah. glasses and one doesn't yeah you know, so yeah and you, the um makes them kind of feel fleshed out yeah and mm. and, and you know we have said that you know this is a police procedural rather than mm. a you know and, and it does vilify the characters rather than sort of make them sort of anti-heroes as it were you know um, yeah because that is the sort yeah. of tendency with a lot of these with a lot know, of these sort of with things, British, but... British gangster yeah movies, you know the the myth making and uh, you know making them like almost like our equivalent of like the Billy the Kid kind of movies that you get yeah. like every five seconds mm. or... <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> sort of Butch and Sundance and all that sort of stuff so yeah but you know he is you know the, the characters are quite prominent in the film you know they do get a lot mm. of scenes um, and a, a couple of really good Sort of confrontations with, um, you know, Detective Reed, as well. You know, this sort of turns out, yeah, they they've done their research on him as well. Yeah, and and you know, it shows that he's hardly up to the the challenge of of, of what's in front of him. You know, it, it's so easy to underestimate. Um, you know, just just because he's altruistic doesn't mean he, you know he's necessarily got got the um, the resources to, to actually pull it off and, and he, he you know he, he almost makes a huge slip right you know towards the end it's um quite quite impressive i really enjoyed it okay uh scores on the doors guys so steve um eight yep and rich yeah a healthy eight a very healthy eight indeed this is recommended by us go check it out that is craze code of silence Our next review is Jack in the Box Awakening. When Amy Proctor takes a position in a country home, her timing could not have been worse. The matriarch of the house, Olga Marsdale, is dying and desperate. So much so, she has obtained a special artifact, an ornate Jack in the Box, which will grant you a wish, but at a heavy price. Soon the people working with Amy start to disappear. Will she discover the truth before it's too late? Um, now, I've sort of focused on Amy as the protagonist of this, but really, she isn't, is it? I mean, would, mm. would you say there's really a protagonist in this film? It's just like a bunch of characters that stuff happens <clears throat> to? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I don't know, maybe the son's the main protagonist, really. Mm. He's the one who's setting the wheels in motion, as you say. Um, yeah, probably. I'd say it's probably him. Yeah, it's just that she Rather just happens him, to be yeah. the last one standing, as it were. You know, there's no sort of real sort of character development until quite late mm. in, you know. Yeah. Um, but she's yeah nowhere to be seen for, for long periods of the film. And, you know, the, the, the main focus, as you say, is, is the sun and the box itself, you know. Um, yeah. 
the the interesting thing here is that this is actually a sequel uh, to a film which came out a couple of years ago called The Jack in the Box, yeah. uh, which I believe was also directed by Lawrence Fowler, who, who'd done this one. Um, so what, what yeah. did you actually make of this anyway? To be honest, when, you know, I'm looking at the, the poster, it looks quite quite generic and it's going to be quite cheap and nasty and stuff like that. But I was actually quite surprised again with this one. Mm. Um, it was quite intelligent the way they did it and really well shot, really well acted. And it was actually really enjoyable because I was, you know, just expecting a cheap, nasty, schlocky horror. Mm. But there is more to it than that. You know, it, 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 the way it's done is well done. Um, it's not just kind of a gore fest, as you, you know, kind of what I was expecting in a way. Yeah. Um, it's a bit more subdued, a bit more, a bit more tension building than, than anything really. You know, you get, but the monster's actually quite good as well. Um, the, the way it comes out of, of the actual Jack in the Box and stuff like that. And the, um, because you've, you've got like the demon inside, but you've also got the Jack in the Box that comes out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the look of that was, 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 was decent as well. And I thought the script was really good. I thought the performances were good. Mm. Uh, I like the way that, you know, he's got to do it for his mum to keep her alive and blah, blah, blah. But there's there's a little bit more effort put into the characters, I think, than, than some of the stuff like this. I mean, some of them are just, you know, disposable or whatever. But then you've got, like, the girlfriend. And, you know, he goes seeing, but obviously she's cheating on him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he takes it out on her and, and stuff like that. But it was actually really enjoyable. I'm... I, be honest, I wasn't looking forward to it at all. I saw the, mm. you know, the poster on the links and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, right, here we go." It's, you know, I, typical. Yeah. I agree. I mean, but, uh, you know, things like clowns and stuff like that. You know, dolls—they mm. they just don't do anything for me usually. No, uh, no. But but this, you know, the, the actual Jack in the Box itself was really well designed. Yeah. You know, um, you know the, the amount of detail put into the actual box. And the fact that there's all these sort of secret mechanisms and and things, you know, that that made it really, really interesting as well. And as, as you say, the actual puppet bit that sort of pops up initially in itself is sort of quite creepy. Yeah. And, it, and it actually reminded me of a film that me and Rich covered a couple of years back, which was a really low budget film. Um, but, it, you know, it sort of struck me. I thought, that actually looks quite familiar. But... Um, yeah, and then you know the actual demon himself was 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 uh, very well handled. So so yeah, I, I I did enjoy this a lot more than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, also, sure. as well, one thing it's it is a sequel, but it stands on its own as well. Yes, that's you right. You don't have to have seen the first. Not at I mean, all. There's a couple of nods to it. I, I presume because I've not obviously I've not seen the first one. Mm. You know where it's like, oh well. We had to get it off, off the black market because it's mm-hmm. suspicious, you know, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And but it is one of them where you can just you can just watch it. You know, there's no need to watch the original. And from what I've read as well, I've, I've had a little read up about it. Apparently, this one's better than the first one. Hmm. Is yeah. 
I had a quick look at the trailer for the for the first one before we started, mm. and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it looked quite consistent, if 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 nothing else. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are some nice touches to this. Um, it worked really well. The the, the demon creature uh, that comes out of the box is suitably different. You know, it, it's it's not really sort of copying anything that we've seen before. Um, no. So, so so that works well. You know, and I I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one. You know, in, in a couple of yeah. years' time, with the same, yeah, character, yeah. You know, different different characters, same box sort of thing. Mm. So yeah, how how are you going to score it? Uh, I'll give it a seven. I'll agree. Yeah, um, this yeah. is a very solid seven. Very entertaining. If you like uh, sort of creepy boxes and dolls and things, and a pretty solid story, well acted. Go check it out. Our next review is Jekyll and Hyde. When his close friend, Dr. Henry Jekyll, is accused of a horrific murder, lawyer Gabriel Utterson launches his own investigation, only to discover a secret more shocking than he could have imagined. Okay, guys, um, this is directed by Steve Lawson, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whose work we've covered before with the, um, the Ripper Untold. Uh, which we, we all agreed was um, a very good low-budget independent film. Um, and here we are again with um, another solid um, period drama. So, Steve, what do you make of this one? Yeah, um, I, I wasn't as impressed with this one, to be fair. Um, you know, it, it, it's acted really well. I just think the script was a bit weak on this. The, it's not... Compared to, you know, we, we talked about Ripper Until last week in the uh, end of year, you know, I think mm. me and Rich had it in our top tens. And this just seemed, it just seemed a bit flat, to be fair. Um, it seems to be shot in this exact same places as Ripper Until, which is, you know, fair enough. They've got the sets, they'll use it again. I haven't got a problem with that. But it just, the story just felt flat to me. It, the, the twist in it, to me, Jekyll and Hyde is he drinks the potion, turns to a nutcase, and goes on the rampage. Yeah. And this is yeah. completely different than that. There's no, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it, it's not that story whatsoever. And it just took too long to get going. Not much happened, really. And I think there was one scare right at the end, which was just a bit of a damp squib, to be fair. Um, it just didn't grab me as much as Ripper Untold. I was, I was actually looking forward to this. I was quite disappointed in it, to be fair. That's a shame. Uh, Rich, what did you make of it? Uh, I, I did like it, actually. I, 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 it, is, it is kind of Ripper Untold 2 or Ripper Untold again. You know, it's, it's not mm. dissimilar. It's v treading very similar ground. Um, but, you know, that said... Uh, I, I, did, I, did, I did like it. I thought it, it kind of because, you know, we were talking about the craze earlier and it's, you know, Jekyll and Hyde even more so. I mean, how many adaptations have we had? Mm. I mean, it's, it's such, it's such well-worn territory. And yet when I was watching this, I was kind of, you know, feeling like I was seeing something different, you know, like it wasn't what I was expecting, which was, you know, kind of, not necessarily a bad thing, but it did kind of unsettle me at first, but then I kind of got into it. And the funny th 
thing is, it, it, I mean, similar to Ripper Untold, but also similar to Code of Silence, what we're talking about. It's a, it's a, it's a film about conversations. It's a procedural. It's investigative. You know, except instead of f focusing on a, um, on an investigating officer, uh, in, in this instance, it's um, so a guy who was a friend, or you know, a lawyer mm. character who was a friend of, of Doctor Jekyll's, who's kind of, in, you know, looking into things himself because he can't believe that that his dear friend could possibly uh, you know perpetrated crimes and stuff so and i think that unfolds quite well but it, it did seem like it was building towards a twist which wasn't actually where i thought it was going uh, I, I it does stick more closely to the source you know as i understand it than i was thinking because i was we got to about the 50 minute mark and i was like hang on i think i know what they're doing here and then it was like oh no actually that's not what they're doing um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, the way the the way it unfolds in terms of Jekyll and Hyde is a is a very different version than I've seen, and I don't know how true to the book that is, or whether they've changed it, or whether the, the previous iter you know previous iterations have embellished the sort of monster angle because that's really not a not a feature here. That the, the ending is, you know, the the way it unfolds is very different. It's, it, this isn't a monster movie or anything like that. It's it's kind of a it's more investigative um and you know the the look and feel and the and the and the flow and the tone and the music of of this and ripper untold i just think they're so distinctive they're old-fashioned you know you feel like you're watching like a modern version of an old black and white kind of movie that would you know wouldn't be leaning into all the gore and stuff it would be more sort of drawing room you know discussions and that and i i, I think that gives it its own unique flavor which I, I like it also feels a bit like audio drama you know you know in, in terms of um so uh, you know adaptations of classic um classic fiction uh, for example uh, one that came to mind today when i was watching it was uh, the alien voices uh, dramas that um leonard nimoy and john delancey did in i think it was the 90s they did like five of them i think and there was like the time machine and stuff and I was thinking, I, you know, I can imagine listening to this like a Radio 4 kind of drama um, because, you know, it's all it's all there in the dialogue that it's not a lot. There's not a lot that's purely visual or, you know, action, you know, or, you know, you, the, what little sort of visual stuff there is can be uh, absorbed in an, in an audible fashion. You know, you could I could but, easily yeah, but... imagine myself listening to this. And I, I think so. Yeah, go on. Sorry, but just just interject there. But to me, that's that's not a good thing. You know, no, that's fair. It's, it, it, it's completely different medium, and it's a visual medium, so there should be something there. You yeah, know? but you know, I think I, I know more, where you're coming from. It's more like a play. From. You know, it's 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 like yeah. a, it's very stagey. It's like like you say, they use some of the same, at least one of the same locations. There might yeah. be more, but there, there's like the um, the policeman's office or whatever, which is exactly identifiably yeah. exactly the and same the, location. And the outside as well of it, from you know, that's exactly the same as well. And oh, you should have a drinking game every time you see the uh, the close up railings. Yeah. <laughs> <the establishment laughs> shot. Anyway, sorry, yeah. I've waffled on, um, Mike. Mm. I must admit, I I did, I did like this, um, not as much as Ripper Untold. Um, I think it needed a bit more punch. Basically, yeah. we do we do get a couple of scenes, one in particular, sort of gruesome murder involving an acid bath um which was interesting um 
but overall, yeah, I did like this. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm one of these people who's only familiar with Jekyll and Hyde in passing. I didn't really know how the the actual novel is structured. Um, mm. You know, mm. so so it is actually told from the point of view of the the, the solicitor rather than sort of Jekyll and Hyde. So so you know, it is after the the events sort of thing. Um, that makes sense. So, so I, I've, I've read it, but I don't remember it at all. Yeah, <laughs> it was about twenty years ago. Yeah, but um, no, I I, I I did like it. There were some nice sort of embellishments. Like um, I, I kind of wish there was more of his wife investigating stuff because mm. she was a really good character, and the and the their maid who sort yeah. of figures out, you know, she, she figures out that well, he either had a case or a cane, but not both, you know. So carrying a case and a cane and trying to grab somebody at the same time doesn't work. Um, you know, that, that that was a nice sort of illustrative moment, I thought. And I, I was interested in the the finale, but not blown away with it. I was hoping for something more in line with the book. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I applaud them for trying something different with the material. But at the same time, I want my transformation scenes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, How do you feel I, about I guess... the lengthy sort of? I mean, you know, like a lot of villains in movies, you know, they give a mm. long oh, the explanation, yeah. and and this was mm. a really long monologue. I mean, it got to about I think just after the hour or about an hour, mm. an hour and five minutes, and it felt like we were at the end of the film. But then it, I was, you know, looking at the running time. It's like, well, there's another twenty minutes to go, <laughs> yeah. and it was, yeah. and it seemed like a lot of that was a very long explanation. But I think that was probably, you know. Mm. I think it needed it. From the yeah, book, it needed maybe. it. Maybe it needed it, you know, to explain it. But like I said, I, it it may it may sound like I didn't like it. I did it. I did enjoy it. You know, it wasn't terrible. Mm. But like like Mike said, I think it could have done with a bit more of a punch, and it wasn't a patch on Ripper Untold. You know, mm -hmm. I think he's followed it up with something that's not not as good. You know, yeah, it's. Not, it's not terrible. It's not. It's it's okay. It's watchable. But I think I the difference think... as well is because what happens in I mean, Ripper Untold was a police procedural. You know, mm. we're, we're investigating the murders after after they've happened. Whereas yeah. this one, you know, there, there are murders being committed sort of during the film, but we don't really see them. You know, it's just like mm, okay, so move but, on. Yeah, but, but again, though, it's the murders. Mm. There's Apparently, I think there's is it five that have already happened? Yeah. That the Janikin on yeah. in. That's and right, you only yeah. see you only, you know, you only really see one as such. Mm. Ah, no. It's yeah. So what one one thing I want to mention, hats off to the Foley artist on this, because the first murder, which is what we only hear off screen, mm. sounds gruesome as hell. You know, it yeah. does sound really, yeah. really, really brutal. I thought. Yeah, that's a good way to start your film, you know. Um, so, so yeah, the sound design, uh, um, you know, the Foley work I thought was superb. But there you go. Mm. That's what I was saying, tying in with you know that that feel of audio drama mm. is quite. It's probably closer to a play or an audio drama than what somebody might expect from a mm. feature film. Um, I enjoy that. Other people, you know, p might just be. Hang on a minute. You know, where's 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 my transformations and all that and all that sort of it's mm. like getting a werewolf movie and it's not being actually about werewolves or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. 
Mm. Like you know, like Wolves of Wall Street that we covered. Yeah, yeah, which yeah was exactly. That, that werewolf movie, but it doesn't really have any werewolves in it. Mm. Yeah. I, which I also did like, but but uh, you know, I can see understand why people might be, um, uh, you know, I feel a bit shortchanged. And yeah. I know that, that in some cases that's you know it, with this and stuff, it's probably to do with budget. And uh, but I think what they've tried to do is do more of a period drama with a sort of a, you know with this horror yeah. element to it mm. rather than sort of really leaning into the into you know to, into the monster stuff which would involve you know lots of lots of makeup effects yeah mm. which, which which makes me very curious about steve lawson's next film which is the fourth musketeer yeah a bit, a bit of a change mm. of direction because there's uh, a change of, a change of direction but you know i can't see them getting away with small sets and things yeah. like that, you know, with with that one, um, I don't know if, if that's and, so, and will be... there be sword fights? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, of any reasonable standard. Yeah, mm. well, it's is, interesting you, know... you mentioned that. I mean, there was a Robin Hood film I covered um, on my other website a while back called Robin Hood: The The Rebellion, mm-hmm. which was a really good Robin Hood film until anyone tried to fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, all the sort any sort of sword fight or anything was dreadful. But the actual film itself was great. I thought it was really good. It's just like, oh, no, he's drawn a sword again. Damn. Mm. Yeah. And that had Martin Ford in it as well. So if you, if you get a chance. And Brian Blessed. It. And Brian Blessed, briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's worth checking out. Anyway, how are we going to score this one? Um, let's, let's start with Steve. Uh, I'll give it a six. Mm-hmm. And Rich? I am quite charmed by these, so I'm going to give it an eight giving it an eight cool mm-hmm. i'm i'm giving it a six as well uh, with steve i i did like it more than him so, so mine's sort of you know getting closer to a seven um but it just needed a bit more oomph um really to sort of push it up a bit yeah so there you go two sixes and an eight for jekyll and hyde go check it out <laughs> Our next review is Winterskin. On a hunting trip deep in the snow-covered woods, a young man called Billy gets separated from his father, then is accidentally shot in the leg by Agnes, a kooky old woman living in a log cabin. As Billy rests up his leg, he soon comes to suspect that something strange is out in the woods. Imagine my delight, guys, when it turns out this is a Charlie Steeds film. An early so, Charlie Steeds film, I believe. Sorry, an early yes, Charlie Steeds. It, it film. is. This is from 2018. Uh, so, yeah. so it's been, yeah. Well, it's as far as the UK is concerned, it's been sat on the shelf for a while. Um, so, I've really enjoyed his sort of later works, like uh, A Werewolf in England and Death Ranch, and you know, in a couple of weeks we'll be covering uh, Werewolf Castle, which also looks pretty decent. Uh, this. Yeah, okay, so this takes a while to get used to, and unfortunately that's kind of down to Rowena Bentley, who plays Agnes, who, if you can imagine, um, what's her name from Misery? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Like, imagine her, imagine her doing a New Orleans-style accent, um, turned up to 11, that is what we get for Agnes. Um, 
Lord mercy child and all this sort of stuff going on. Um, she is so over the top. Um, and I, I just wish she'd sort of dialed it down a bit and then got crazier as the film went on. But she starts at 11 and goes to, you know, 15, basically. Yeah. Um, it, start, it starts off with the murder of this family living in this log cabin. And then we get this uh, thing with uh, Billy getting separated from his dad by accident. Um, and then sort of he wanders over to this, he finds this cabin in the woods, wanders over. And as he stood outside the door, suddenly he gets shot in the leg. <laughs> and, and she realizes that, oh, sorry, didn't realize it was not who I thought it was kind of thing. Um, and most of the film is just the pair of them in this log cabin very much like misery in effect um but she keeps insisting that there's some sort of creature outside um who's sort of blood red you know hasn't got any skin and you know leaving sort of blood red footprints everywhere and he doesn't believe her until one night he tries to go out with the dog um the dog runs off and the next morning she she finds it on the doorstep with no skin kind of thing um it, it's it's pretty gruesome at times. Uh, he uses the same sort of um, blood bag effects that Quentin Tarantino used in um, Django Unchanged. So it's like they're shooting whole cans of um, tomato soup over each other, mm. you know, sort of big and big and loud. Uh, the story does take an interesting turn, um, and the sort of final. 30 minutes are actually edge of your seat stuff and, and get really gruesome and very tense. And I thoroughly enjoyed that, but it's quite a hill to climb to get there. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, the fact that this more or less one location works in its favor. Um, there are a couple of times when he's speaking to people on the phone or, or sort of the radio, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Seeds is English, the, the production is probably English, and, the, and sometimes the fake American accents really do show, um, especially the people on the other end of the radio. But overall, I must admit, you know, if, if you can stick with it, if you can get used to Agnes, um, yeah, th this is pretty much in keeping with, with the stuff that um, uh, Charlie Steed's done. There's, there's zero humor in it. Um, uh, unless you sort of like your sort of visual gags, pretty nasty. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this overall. But, um, so I'm, I'm actually giving this a six out of 10. It's a shame you didn't get the chance to watch it, but um, I, I have a suspicion you'd have either turned down the volume or fast forwarded through the first half hour or so. <laughs> How long was it, Mike? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it is. One hour twenty-four. Yeah, one twenty-four. Eighty-five um, minutes sort of seems a kind of average for hmm. a, lot, a lot of these films. Yeah, know. it doesn't stay as welcome, that's for sure. But it, you know, it, it's. I would guess that the Jack in the Box one is probably a similar length. I think yeah, that was a, yeah, about the same. But yeah, now this is this is a solid little thing, um, and yeah, Charlie Steed's. He's, he's a name to look out for, basically. Um, he, he knows this sort of stuff. Our next review is Monsters in the Closet. When a renowned pulp horror writer dies mysteriously, 
his estranged daughter discovers a video call addressed to her. On it, her father explains that his latest stories, if read out loud, begin to come to life. Okay, uh, Steve, I'm throwing this straight <laughs> over to you while I gather my thoughts. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, basically. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, it's, it's an anthology, basically. You, you know, yes. Four, four or five stories. Yeah, four stories, yeah. <clears throat> then, then the wraparound. The acting is terrible, I'll be honest, in all of them, especially the second one and the fourth one. Um, you know, the first <clears throat> the first story I thought was actually quite interesting. Um, yeah. Like Zombie Attack. Mm. And it's basically, you know, she wakes up, doesn't realise she's a zombie and what that entails. And that, it was quite interesting the way they did it and mm. all like POV, handheld, shaky cam, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, really saw itself in the mirror and stuff like that. And then you go on to the second one, which is a couple doing up a house that they bought. It was just fucking terrible. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The characters were annoying, but the way they played them was even worse. And they just got on it, basically got on each other's tits till they ended up stabbing each other and cutting each other with a chainsaw, which was just awful. The third one... What was the third one now? It was the girl wanting to go away on a camping trip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, awful. And, and the, the last one, the, the last one's going more for a comedic mm -hmm. tone, I, I suppose. But even then, they're both just turned up to 11 and it's, it, was, it, was, it was awful. Really didn't get on with this at all. I think the, the only decent bit was the interesting idea of the first story. Mm -hmm. And then after that, everything else was just garbage. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I half agree with you, Steve, on this one. Um, it is very low budget. It, it's an anthology, as you say, and I think we've had mm. we've had low budget anthologies before, either on you know on this show or I've covered some um, as well. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure. We, do we do the space ones on here? With a guy in a in a um, like an escape pod. No, doesn't ring a bell with me. Space space horror kind of thing, different stories. And anyway, um, the setup is is dreadful. The the, the opening sort of prologue is, is just awful. The yeah, way it's done. I agree with you. The, the the first actual story is done pretty well. It again, it's slow budget, but it's very ambitious. Uh, the actual mm. script is really good. You know her, her sort of internal monologue as she's turning into a, a, a zombie. Um, yeah. I, th I thought that worked really well. Um, you know the, the stuff like when the she's bit... trying to trying to eat normal food and sort yeah. Of yeah, 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 yeah. You know it, it, that was done really well. The sort of POV element, quite like that. Um, but then the, sort of the next two stories, I I, I agree with you again. Um, weren't particularly up to much, and then the final one, I I kind of like the humor in it i must admit i did it did make me chuckle a couple of times especially the bit when he accidentally stabs his wife and he's wearing those sort of weird mittens and he can't yeah, hold on yeah. to the knife and keeps dropping it into her <laughs> you know he picks <laughs> it up slips through and sort of stabs her again um yeah that that 
that was weird. And then, you know, the the way the surgery element sort of keeps escalating because he keeps trying to mm. revive her. She keeps trying to kill herself and it just keeps going round and round. Um, but it's the fact, you know, it's the element where he sort of pops over the next door to borrow their electricity. <laughs> yeah. Because he keeps, well, he keeps, you know, that it, was it, almost like the young it, ones of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, our bottom when they hit the gas, you know, that, yeah, that exactly. type of thing. Yeah. Mm. But it was just, <sighs> tonally, it was all over the place, mm. you know. And I, well, I get is... that. I get that in anthologies, you know, you're gonna, yeah. there's always like a couple of decent or maybe one or two yeah. that are good, but mm. it was just... <sighs> the, the other weird thing about this as well is, is this idea that... Um, you know, if you read the stories out loud, they, they'll come to life because he's he's got this sort of alchemy book or whatever. But he, you know, mm. um, and the whole point is that he, you know, the author himself has actually recited all these stories on on this thing, as it as if mm. he's doing his own sort of tales from the crypt kind of thing. So yeah. it, so the first story ends, and then suddenly the house is full of zombies. You know, okay. Mm-hmm. But what happened with the other stories? I mean, the, it, it, the other problem is it's such a small house. You know, it's yeah. literally an apartment with a set of stairs. You know, there's yeah. not really a lot you can do with it. But again, look, but the thing is, though, right, so it, she's watching them mm. and he's reading them. So where's the other zombies then that mm. presumably turned up and came for him? Yeah, exactly. You know, because it, it, that's not what killed... He dies in in the very first scene. Yeah, when he's writing the story, a story. Yeah. Not it's mm. not even in, and then, and it's like if you you know if you read it or you recite it, then it, it, it just doesn't it no. doesn't hold up. It doesn't make sense. No, um, Goose, Goosebumps did it better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I'm like I'm a right pedantic bastard for stuff like that, but. Mm. <laughs> You know, it, yeah, I, I can see good. I can see a certain amount of ambition with this, um, but yeah, the, none, you know, none of the stories would would hold up to a feature length. That's for sure. Um, mm. So an anthology is probably just, you know your best chance for for a wide audience yeah. um, to see it. But there's there's certainly better out there um, than this, yeah. unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, st- I'd still be interested to see, you know, um, the guy who did the uh, zombie one, you know, or at least the script writer for the zombie one. I'd like to sort of see what they've also got up their sleeve. Mm. Anyway, how are you going to score this one, Steve? I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm going to join you on a four for that one. Two fours for... Oh, what's it called again? Monsters <laughs> Monsters in the closet. <laughs> See, is that memorable? Hang on. Yeah. So two fours for monsters in the crumpet. <laughs> Fucking hell. Monsters <laughs> in the crumpet. So that's two fours for monsters in the closet. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Street Fighter Psychosis. Ken and his girlfriend are kidnapped by agents of Shadaloo, intent on turning Ken into one of... Excuse me. Don't tell that. Ken and his girlfriend are kidnapped by agents of Shadaloo, intent on turning Ken into one of their agents. Um, I'm throwing this straight over to Rich, because he is our curator of shorts. So what... what um, 
what caught your eye with this one, Rich? Uh, well, Mike Leader uh, flagged it up. As, uh, I think it had just been released on Christmas Day, and uh, I think you know a few people have been talking about it. But you know, Mike Leader's like the guy who know, mm. knows all the best martial arts action stuff. So if he's if he's highlighted a short, you know, it's got to be worth watching. So and yeah, checked it out as soon as I could. It's it's excellent, and it's not plowing any particularly new new ground uh, in terms of. You know, it's kind of a, it's doing that kind of gritty reboot-ish mm. sort of thing. Uh, we've seen similar things done with uh, the with Mortal Kombat. They did the Mortal Kombat Rebirth film, which then kind of sort of started the ball rolling with the, you know, getting us to the point where there was a a, a sort of a, a, the gritty uh, blockbuster that we that we had. Mm -hmm. But that you know, there were a few things, other things along the way, and there was also um, uh, Power Rangers. Uh, yep. one which was made by mm. joseph khan i think and this kind of does a similar thing you know it takes all these characters that you know ostensibly are known you know to you know children uh you know primarily or they were launched you know focused initially at, at young people and yeah then, you 20 know, years ago right <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah. but you know it's you know but then you've got them swearing and stuff you know it's mm. like um uh, i watched a funny one the other day which was a a gritty reboot of brum <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like a spoof trailer in which brum is like uh this you know <laughs> perceive this deadly threatening force you know it's like crossing <laughs> christine or something anyway but uh so yeah this is uh, an action-led uh, uh 13-minute uh, film uh sets itself up nicely again all the sort of all the sort of the bells and whistles and the sort of you know everything that it's you know the package itself is completely unoriginal you know we've seen it mm. all before but the execution is fantastic i love the whole um uh the character sort of goes dark uh you know he becomes mm. a violent mm. ken uh which is probably a, an iteration or from the video game which i, I admit I've, I've not played and i've not seen any of the uh apart from the jean-claude van damme film so the whole shadowloo thing actually confused me because shadowloo was kind of an organization in this rather than a country yes yeah, so in, in the original mm. yeah it's a country it is a country is it? so yeah, yeah so this was kind of yeah. uh, an organization lots of familiar characters are kind of turning up whether you know so even if you own, have only a very basic knowledge of the street fighter universe as i do i think you still get a lot out of this especially if you're an action fan and steve you enjoyed this one yeah i did actually it was it was good it was a lot Bloody enough, I be to be fair. I mean, the bit where mm. Ken gets basically shot to shit, he's just oh crumbs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know the, the claret's flying everywhere, really. But mm. um, <clears throat> yeah, it was nice that they actually brought a few different characters into it rather than just you know like Ken and Ryu. You mm. know, you had like Balrog and Bison and Chun Li at the end and Gaio and stuff like that, which mm. which I thought was interesting because it's kind of you know. I'm presuming they're hoping to do more, or yeah. maybe even you know follow it on, but do something different with it. Maybe, but no, it was it was decent, and I liked the bit where you know they actually brought in elements of the actual game. You know, yeah. where, you know <laughs> the energy bars, or you know the now loading, or you know things like that. I thought were actually at first it kind of i thought oh I don't, I don't think i'm liking this but actually it does work well within itself and i thought the fighting was great um i think the only 
niggly bit was the guy playing Bison. I don't think he was particularly. He's no Raul Julia, is he? No, he's not. He's not. No. Basically, um, it's a hard act to follow. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. his last film as well. But yeah. yeah, apart from that, yeah. Pretty, yeah, really good. Decent. Yeah, I totally agree. It was um, a very good, gritty sort of uh, version of events. Um, you certainly wouldn't see this sort of stuff in, well, you'd see it in the original Japanese anime, but um, mm. those, those sort of um, uh, Americanized version would, would touch this material, I don't think, um, yeah. and aim at the kids. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. When the, um, uh, you know, the, the firing squad sort of lays into him, I, I was fully expecting him to sort of, you know, hulk out at that moment and, uh, you, mm. know, try, you know, escape, but no, no. Just, just lots and lots of claret. Um, in fact, Charlie, Charlie Steeds would be impressed with mm-hmm. the amount of red stuff being been thrown around in in, in that scene. Um, yeah, there's, I, a, I just there's a mid credit scene as well, which kind of leads into you know a potential sequel. Yeah, which, that's uh, right. Which, yeah. which would be good to see. Because that's the thing. I watched it and uh, and the credits came up, and I thought there's still three or four minutes left here. What's going on? Yeah. Sort of forward on a bit, and then as you say, you get the bit with with Chun Li. Um, sort of towards the end which which does sort of suggest that we're you know hopefully going to get some more of this and 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 yeah you know anyone who watches this is definitely going to want more of it that's for sure can i just share some comments from sean malloy because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, he, he unfortunately wasn't able to join us tonight to talk about it but he did say uh, he thought he thought it was really something he said i watched snake eyes a couple of nights ago and you realize how lackluster it is absolutely none of the action has any flavor or style to it at all I look at these fan films and it makes it incredibly frustrating that, it may, that a major studio will not take a gamble on one of these smaller time directors, but instead go with guys who simply don't have any kind of action on their res- resumes whatsoever. And, mm. it, and he says, and not, to which I was saying, uh, and when the action guys have total control, they know how to deliver. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, look at um, the guys behind... Winter Soldier, you know, um, Atomic Blonde, uh, what's, what's the other one? Nobody, for example. Yeah. Um, John Wick. John Wick, yeah, of course, John Wick. Um, the problem what's, is what's usually Frank Grillo. It, it's either the director or it's the producers or studio executives mm. interfering. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Asking scenes to be overcut and whatnot, mm. or, or other issues are coming up. But yeah, like you said, when when you've got people like the 8711 guys, you know, mm. having that that level of control, you know, that where they can kind of basically get final cut on the, on the action scenes or on the lower budget kind of things. If Scott mm. Adkins is able to throw his weight around and say, "I'm not having anything going out that's not, you know, co- you know, 100 oh, exactly, as yeah. I want it," mm. as, yeah. when he when he can do that, that's mm. when you get the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Who who's the director of? Um... Every last one of them again. Uh, Christian Sesma, wasn't it? Sesma, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he he, he one, um, he's got a film with Scott coming up. Yeah, that's Section that's Eight the, with Dolph yeah. as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dolph. Yeah, that's going to be and Mickey Rourke, I think. Of course, it obviously gets on well. <laughs> well, all his films have had really good casts, haven't they? And uh, yeah, I say, well, I think that's when true. we talked about every last one of them, he's, he's, he's mm. got a 
some of his action stuff's really, yeah. really good. I digress, of course. But uh, yes, of course. Yeah. So, um, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Street Fighter. Well, we've well, uh, basically we, st- we started the year with some fantastic yeah. action shorts, and we've ended with a really, really good one as well. So it's been a yeah, fantastic absolutely. year for 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 actions in the short films mm-hmm. and and fan films as well. So <clears throat> short films. Absolutely. Um, yep. This is a really good example. So we don't score the shorts, but we certainly recommend them, and you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is The Stranger. A mysterious woman rides into a town overrun and controlled by a gang of bikers. As she waits for the gang's leader, Angel, to return, she makes do with kicking the ass of anyone stupid enough to challenge or threaten her. Um, So, kind of a remake of High Plains Drifter slash Pale Rider. Yeah, is yep. that something you'd read, or do you, you just discern that from? I just discern that from the film. Yeah, I mean, is that kind of a, thing? Yeah, a lot. I mean, I've never seen those films, but that is what generally people do say about it. Yeah, yeah. so pa- Pale Rider is uh, is uh, basically a remake of High Plains Drifter, minus the rape scene. Um, but Both with Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yeah, yeah. 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 He he directed the second version himself okay anyway because yeah did they both because this has got like this supernatural element is that that's right yeah Western yeah exactly world? no it is yeah he's he's supposed to be a guy who'd been killed you know uh, in the past by these this gang or whatever i see i see um and and, and that's kind of what we have here isn't it yes. you know even mm. the crow as well throw that throw that into the mix that sort of thing um yeah so kathy long stars as the stranger Riding in on her bike, um, and yeah, just, just that sort of classic kick-ass kind of character. You know, it's not taking shit from anyone. Uh, really enjoyed this. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Steve, did you get on with this one? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's bollocks, but it's it's fun bollocks. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's literally just walk into town, kick the fuck out of everyone, and then leave. Um, yeah. The, the thing that got me, like you say, it was, there was a bit of a supernatural element in there and it was just like, is it her or is it a, a twin or, it doesn't really give you any indication as to what, what the actual crack is with it, but um, I enjoyed Kathy Long, I thought she was actually really good. Um, she could obviously kick ass, I mean. Oh yeah. It, oh, what was she, like a, Karate champion, world karate champion, or something. Kickboxing champion. Kickboxing yeah. champion. Um, and everyone else is a bit over the top. I mean, Ginger Lynn, she's <laughs> absolutely fucking deplorable in this. What a oh, bitch see, I, I thought she was one of the best. I, I liked her a lot. No, 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 she's good in it. But oh, the character's okay. an absolute bastard. You know, oh, I see. Just, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the others are a bit over the top, but it, it, it is what it is. It's. Simple, violent revenge flick that you know just goes over the top, and it it is what it is, and it's fun. It's a decent, fun nineties hmm. action. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the sort of, the fight scenes are very short and to the point, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. but but they're very well done. You know, yes, yeah. um, she's certainly believable in the room. Thoroughly. Mm. 
enjoyed seeing her. There's one particular bit where, you know, about three quarters of the way through the film, and this hulking, big, bald yeah, yeah. dude comes into town as a sort of a recon guy. And as as he's sort of taking a streak from his beer, she smashes it into his mouth. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's, that's, that's like a proper Jesus. Yeah, moment. like that. Yeah. That, that yeah. was really, really good. Really, really, really well handled. Yeah, the the action and stuff was really good. I, I like the sort of the um, the variation of it. The fact that you know, e- even though a lot of the town folk are sort of scared of the boy because there's a few who see an opportunity. You know, that think well, if we kill her, then the bikers might like us a bit more sort of thing you know yeah they'll let us off easy so so there was that whole sort of plot point as well there's one thing you definitely can't say about this film or you can say it's certainly not a crime procedural no no (laughs) you know (laughs) there's there's certainly a police presence but they do fuck all police work in this place yeah i mean yeah i mean that was the thing that got me you know beginning she's at the petrol station or whatever and mm. She just literally kills two guys and carries on, and they do fuck yeah. all. They're not in front of witnesses and everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thought that was quite funny. And then the other, yeah, the other two guys who follow her into the shop, and she kills both of them. Well, she kills one yeah. of them. The other one gets killed by the other guy. But yeah, even so, it's like there's a witness. It's not everything. You yeah, know? yeah. Very bizarre. But yeah, no, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. This one, uh, Rich. What do you make of this? Have you seen it before? Yeah, so I saw it when it came out, and uh, it, it, it's been largely unavailable hmm. ever since, I think. But it, it it turned up on YouTube, on the producer's YouTube channel. But then, as Steve pointed out, it also turned up on Amazon Prime. So hmm. we've got, you've got your choice now. You can you can find it in in a couple of places. The it was I did really enjoy uh, going back to it. It's it wasn't it wasn't a film I was overly struck by at the time, and there's still elements of it that I'm still not overly struck by. Hmm. I've possibly because i've not been a big fan of the western uh, right it's it's not a mm. genre that you know I'm, I'm particularly fond of and this is very much a western uh, i mean the soundtrack yeah. and everything i mean you know this is the funny thing is this is kind of pre a lot of tarantino's kind of stuff but it, if, mm. it, if it was made now people would be saying it's it's made like to inspired by tarantino but it's, it's not you know like um the yeah but it, it's it's more it's more in keeping with something like steel dawn yeah, mm. I'm, or millions of other things. I mean, yeah, exactly. you know, even yeah. like the Wraith or or um, yeah, the know, any small yeah. small town. You know, mm. Drifter comes in. Um, there's been, I mean, even um, Jean Claude Van Damme did one called Desert Heat, which most people haven't seen because it didn't have very good distribution. Mm. But that is a, a a variation on Yojimbo, which was also the the basis for. Um, Man with no name, I think. Of which the high planes drifter and everything were all variations mm. of. So it, it all sort of ties together. But I thought as a you know, I thought it played really well as a mm. neo, as like a neo-western, like a modern western with motorbikes yeah. and stuff. Do you do you remember how motorbike gangs, you know, were was, was such a big threat in the 80s and 90s movies yeah. and TV Stone shows? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't hear any of you, I don't. I don't think there's been really many. I think there's probably been a few, but it's not quite mm. the trend that it was, you know, pre two thousand. No, it seems uh, like no. Sons of Anarchy and yeah, you know, it's been more on the TV side and stuff. But yeah, anyway, um, Andrew Divoff is the yeah. I was going to say, let's talk about the cast for a sec. So, so and, Andrew Divoff looks a lot like um, Stephen Dorff in this, and they a little bit. How do yeah. you feel about him yeah. doing all the cutters and stuff? And, 
the what, sorry? beginning. Oh yeah, that, well, was... a bit of Tai Chi sort of stuff he was doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it, that did remind me a lot of like Patrick Swayze in um, in, in Roadhouse. Oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all very similar. It's a weird setup. You're looking isn't at the it? bad guy kind of... instead of the, the good guy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I quite like. He's not in it a huge amount. He is credited mm. as and, uh, and he's kind of out of the picture mm. for a fair amount of it. But we keep sort of going. But um, we do get to see that um, uh, uh, Danny Trejo is in his crew. Yeah. So he's yeah. a lot he's younger than we've usually seen him. Mm. And Trejo actually gets um, like quite a cool sort of stunt bit where he's riding a motorcycle and he pulls out the gun at the same time yeah which must have been quite yeah. hard because those bikes are heavy you know yeah <laughs> so um but because obviously being a, a you know a stuntman and I, i'm guessing this was one of his early acting gigs because you know they actually gave him i mean i know he had lines in films going back to like 88 yeah. or something They're but hidden. you know I, yeah i don't think i don't think he wasn't as established as he is now. I know, oh, not took at all. Right. A long time. No, it was, was des- probably Desperado still was the a... one that really sort of like, you know, turned the tables for him. But which I think yeah. was the same year as this, which is interesting because that is a neo western as well. Hmm. That's true. So, yeah. um, I think they, I think that was nineteen ninety five. So yeah, I no, I don't think this was a rip off of of anything. I think it was just oh, a coincidence. No. They just happened to make yeah, this. Yeah. So they were trying hmm. to launch Kathy Long. As the next mm. big thing, as like the next Cynthia Rothrock, and it just didn't quite happen. I think she did like three or four films. I think mm. three uh, playing, you know, leading characters. Knights for Albert Pune. And, um, I think she did another one called Under the Gun. I'm not sure if she was lead in that, but you know, she there was uh, yeah. So her and Richard Norton. So she didn't really get a chance to break it out, and I don't. And I think this is probably the most notable one because it's the one that's focused on her most. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she's great as an actress. I don't think she hundred she really fits the role. Per, I don't think she fits the role mm-hmm. as well as you know another actor might you know might do. Um, but when the action kicks in, she's really solid. Mm-hmm. And actually, her mm-hmm. sort of her her looks, which are more sort of um, she's got quite soft looks to her. So I, I guess that's a, that's quite an interesting. It looks to, like, uh, yeah, it looks like she's escaped from Baywatch, doesn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a uh, looks can be deceiving kind of thing. People underestimate yeah, yeah. It because she looks quite, you know, quite like, girly, a, quite like a sisterly mm-hmm. kind yeah. of character, mm-hmm. um, rather than this, you know, um, dom- domineer. You know, she's not Bridget mm-hmm. Nielsen or something coming into town, you know what I mean? No, that's right, yeah. so, or, or um, um, oh. Who's barbed wire again? Oh, Pamela. Pamela, Pamela Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pamela no, 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 nothing like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So she, no, she's quite. I mean, that actually might have been an influence because that was a few years or mm. a couple of years prior to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah. So I thought it was really solid. I, I, what I really liked about it though was the whole midsection where it's the town turning against her. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not about. It's not so much about the her versus the bikers. The threat mm. is the town who, who just, yeah. you know, they, they want to get rid of her or, you know, they, they, they're worried that if the, the, if the bikers, mm. you know, get upset, then it's going to mean the death of their livelihoods and whatever. And they're struggling. In this town. I thought that was a really interesting dimension. Mm. And I don't that whole bit in the house, them. that whole bit in the house where, where um, sort of Ginger Lynn's character leads the deputy and a couple of others, you know, to literally to actually kill her, you know, they mm. sort of open fire on the shower and that. 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that whole sequence is really, really good. And the way she sort of like, you know, dupes them into killing one of their own. Yeah. But then she just lets three others go. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, ah, fuck off. You know? <laughs> so does anything like that happen in those westerns? You know, where the where the town folks um not really. Especially high high plains drifter. Hmm. Um so Clint Eastwood comes in and he, he basically he forces them to paint the town red, sort of blood red, to, to, to make it look like, you know, when, when these outlaws turn up, it looks like they're riding into hell kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a case of, you know, he's kind of helping us, but he's an absolute bastard at the same time. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, Pale Rider, he's, he's supposed to be a preacher mm-hmm. who, who's helping these, the, you know, this, this, um, these, these miners, yeah, basically, who's been sort of, you know, oh, sort of, um, I'm just sort of another one influenced by this whole sort of stream, Missionary Man with Dolph Lundgren, because mm-hmm. um, he's a he's he's kind of a preacherish kind of character riding in town on his motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. So there's so there's so many of these, but I think this one really sort of stands out. Something. Yeah, I want to mention a couple of characters in this. Yeah, so a couple on. of other people. Um, Eric Pierpoint. Um, mm. As soon as I heard the name, I thought I, I'd known him from somewhere. And I thought it was from Time Tracks, which was a, an old oh, 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. series. But it turns out he was only in one episode of that. So, but no, he was actually George Francisco in the TV version of Alien Nation. Right, yeah. You ever watch that? It was awesome. No. It uh, was I, used act- to, I used to watch Alien Nation. So is that the James Khan character? No, the, the, the Mandy Patinkin one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the series was superb. Um, I think it lasted about two seasons, and then they did like a whole bunch of, um, TV, sort of movies. TV movies afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, it used, to, it used to be on, you know, in the early days of Sky TV, it mm-hmm. was one of the things they showed. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it was, you know, it, it, it did a good job of outgrowing the concept of um, the film. So yeah, it was, it was interesting to see his name turn up. Now, the director of this is um, a guy called Fritz Kirsch. Quite the journeyman. He's quite the journeyman, but there's a couple of films yeah. um, sort of worth pointing out. Um, he did one called Into the Sun. Uh, have either of you seen that one? Uh, is that the um, Anthony Michael Hall, Michael Parrott yes, one? Yes, it is. Funnily so, enough, yeah. that's actually turned up on on uh, IMDb t- TV recently. I think. Awesome. So, so in, in that one, Michael Parry is a um, you know hotshot fighter pilot, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Is a hotshot actor who's sort of pegged to star in a film about a. That's right. Pilot. I remember it coming out. It's a knockoff yeah. of the hard way, isn't it? Mm. A knockoff the hard way yeah. slash slash Top Guns. You know, Top yes. Gun meets the hard way. Yes. And I, I must admit, I, I really liked it when it when it came out. I thought it was um, pretty decent. They, they, I think they end up getting abducted and end up sort of, um, yeah, because he's you know flying them around sort of thing. And they get shot down by Russians and taken to a gulag and have to escape. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, the other one, which I'd like to mention, is um, Tough Turf. Which is actually another one that's on Prime or, or has been and, and has been on my list because it's one of those 80s movies that I've never caught it's, up with. It's sort of basically high noon. but In a high school. In a high school. <clears> so <throat> yeah. high, it's basically high noon meets class of 84. Okay, like uh, it, it's 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 pretty violent, mm. even though it's got you know it's got James Spader in it. You think, oh, and, and you know it's sort of like um, that they play it out like uh, you know if you see the trailer for it, for example, it's sort of played mm. out like a typical 
um, Brat Pack um, sort of teen movie, but it's not as actually really violent, you know, there's sort of, sort of brutal sort of moments in it. But um, yeah, definitely worth checking out that one. Um, uh, tough Turf, for sure. And Robert Downey Jr. in one of his early roles in that. That's movie. right, yeah. One of the other films, the, the film that mainly jumped out at me was that he did the original Children of the Corn. Yeah. Oh, right. You see, I saw, I saw that on IMDb and I just assumed he was he'd done one of the sequels. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realise it was the actual original one. Yeah, so the, the, yeah the, the one with Linda Hamilton mm. in 1984. But yeah, he's, um, I, I don't know if he's still still with us because he hasn't made a, a feature uh, since about 2006 when he did one with Amanda Sante. Yeah. So, I think but I think he's probably I think he's just retired to be honest. Probably retired. Yeah. yeah. I imagine. Cuz he's like seven, yeah. I think he's like 80 now. But yeah, he's, he's you know I, th- I think he's done some decent stuff. Definitely worth um digging into his um diverse his catalog. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So some definitely um things there to sort of check out. Uh, okay. Any, any more comments about um, this film? No. I, I, suffice yeah. to say, uh, I thought the the supernatural sort of elements and the sort of reincarnation or whatever's going on kind of bits. I liked how it wasn't fully spelled out. I liked that mm. it was implied. I thought the atmosphere and stuff was really well developed. I liked the score. Mm. You know, the, the very western kind of trappings of the whole thing. I thought it was. I thought it was really. It was very. It's very low budget. Very limited. But mm. the cast is mm. really good. The, the, you know, it's not the ensemble who are mostly unfamiliar to me. Gingerlin standing out um, for me. And uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, she kind of steals a lot of the movie from Kathy Long, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but Kathy mm. gets to shine in the, in the action scenes. She's, she's very distinctive. And you know, as, a, as a film that's a product of its time, you know, hi, uh, showcasing a, a, a talent, you know, an actor, you know, somebody who, mm. who were, they were trying to launch as like one of the next, you know, DTV action stars. I think it, it's 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 well worth watching. Yeah. You know, for, for, for a number yeah. of reasons. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we don't um, we don't score the uh, throwbacks, but we do recommend you check them out. This one, as as Rich said earlier, you can find it both on Amazon Prime and on the official. Uh, is it the producer's website? Uh, on uh, on the producer's YouTube? YouTube, where you can find YouTube a lot of channel. his films, actually. Yeah. Because he, he's an independent producer. He's got the rights to several of his... I don't think he's got the rights to Children of the Corn, but he's, he's yeah. got um, quite a few of his um, productions, including uh, Little Witches, um, which we yeah. mentioned in a past episode. We did, yeah, we mentioned that before. Was, mm. um, yeah, so there's quite a few on there I want to check out, and I'm going to look up Into the Sun as well. On, uh, so, on yeah. Uh, you, you can certainly watch this on YouTube without feeling guilty because it's, it is an official release. Um, and you'll find a link to that in the footnotes below. And that is the end of this week's episode. This is the last time we're recording in 2021. Good riddance. Um, having said that, of course, we've had lots and lots of um, great episodes. Um, we've seen something like 200 films. or reviewed 200 films. We've seen a lot more. Um, and, and it's been a pretty decent year so roll on 2022 and all that brings don't forget to check us out on facebook and twitter at the dtv digest also check out the short shots where rich um, puts a link for a new short film every evening around about eight o'clock so thank you for listening tune in next time thank you for listening 
listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.